cloudy sky. I have one lined up, but I'm saving it for the review, so we'll see. It's terrible. Um, (laughs) So long as we talk about gay shit. Oh, hell yeah. Alright, and speaking of that, welcome to Cyburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast. A podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. And uh, this is our weekly reaction series to Part 6, Ladies' Night. Uh, Tonight we'll be covering Episode 20... Two Terrible Ladies, written by Ayumi Shimo, and of course translated by Ian. So, uh, let's uh, introduce ourselves for whoever new people are listening, which, as Chris has mentioned before, like, if you're listening now, hi, this is a weird place to be on, but you know, we don't judge here at Cybers and Cigarettes. Every episode could be somebody's <laughs> first, so I'm, uh, I'm Drew. <laughs> This is this is the place. So, Lee, not you. Well, you already jumped in, so I was assuming you were going to introduce yourself. But by the way, that's Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Returning guests once again. Yes, Yes. and I'm I'm Natalie. Hi. Um, Though, if it is your first episode listening to us, hi. And I only say that because I have recommended this podcast to some people on Twitter. So, hi. (laughs) Spread the gospel. Yeah, and this is really going along the theme of Ladies Night this episode. So, I'm excited. Yeah, because this Mm. this is literally a taco. There's only like two tacos here. And the one, (laughs) I better not say that because Drew's drinking water. But he's the only (laughs) sausage in this fest today. All right, okay, good, good, good. (laughs) The drinking has ceased before the joke was made, so you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Thank God. Ah, Yes, um, to kick off our roundtable discussion, we will pass it off to our uh, special guest, Emma. Uh, What did you think of this episode? I really, really liked it. Um, Obviously, I I made a joke in a chat the other day that I posted a meme about, like, which character is your brand? Like you see it like a photo and of and everyone associates with you. Well, that's Fujiko with me, which is odd because she's technically like not my favorite character in the series. Um, everyone assumes so. Uh, but now I wouldn't say she's my favorite she's so much of the brand. And I really liked how they captured her here. I always feel like Fujiko uh, can be unfortunately written sometimes um and i think entirely through part six that has not been the case and this is definitely one of those instances where i've really liked how they've captured her and aspects of her personality which i've written in my notes and we'll get into later uh, as we delve it into this deeper but that's kind of like my overview is that this has been a really great exploration of fujiko as a whole heck yeah and uh Natalie. <laughs> How did you feel about the episode? Um, I loved it as a filler episode. I, again, I'm still a little irked with the edging that we're getting over not getting a conclusion to 
the previous episode, but in terms of a filler episode, a one-off, I do love it. Um, it's not that I, I love Fujiko. She's not my favorite character of the polycule, but she is one of them. Um, especially cause she's the only female in the group. And I love how in this episode, Fujiko gets Fujiko'd because you know, of what Amelia later does to her, but you know, it's not like uh, we'll get into that, but she doesn't, you know, how she doesn't really hold it against Amelia, but seeing Fujiko have this bestie dynamic and or gay dynamic, however you want to see it. It's kind of like the Jigen Lupin thing um, <laughs> with Amelia is just wonderful. And I, and I loved it so much. I feel like this is probably one of my favorite episodes of part six mm-hmm. um, in terms of overall what we're getting so far. Um, Amelia, you know, side note here, Amelia reminds me of my friend Bridget, um, Bridget's this lovely person who loves to dye their hair many different colors, would always like draw little hearts right by her, by her dimples and her cheeks. Like, um, like Marina and the diamonds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. And, and, uh, I keep, I'm terrible, uh, but they go by they, them, but you know, they're, they're just this lovely, bubbly person who just dyes her hair many colors, has this little star, and, and even talks and eats very adorably like Amelia. Um, so every time when I was watching Amelia, I was like, I need to show Bridget this. So Bridget, yes. if you're listening, you're adorable. I miss you. And <laughs> I, I feel like we all, like, everyone has a friend like that, but they're just like, oh, I have somebody that I know that's just as adorable and cute and kind of... Uh, very energetic <laughs> see normally i'm i i'm i was or am that friend in my friend group um but lately i feel like the older i've gotten and the more like drained i've been from academia i've been a little less that but that's okay yes. but in terms of like that eccentricity that just reminds me of of a good friend of mine and, and I love that Fujiko has a friend like that. And also, can we just enjoy the chaos that is Lupin typing with his toes? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why, like, that fascinates me, because that's kind of disgusting. But get yourself and, a man like, who's very... at a very high speed, too. Yep. Yeah, it's like... It, it took what's... several years to get to this 120 words per minute with my fingers. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> like... <laughs> I've, I've taken stenography classes, so I'm pretty good with that as well. But it's like, holy shit, Lupin, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Drew, Drew, what did you think? Oh, my. Oh, boy. This is probably my favorite one-off in this second half, to be 100% honest. Like, the the the, the, uh, the Wong-Tuk one was really great because you got, like, the whole gang working together. And that dynamic was awesome. Right. But, again... It's something I touched on. I, I, I love that this. I love that this episode came right after the most recent two part, which I did enjoy. I enjoyed the second half a little more, but I had a specific complaint in the first episode, which was I I, I find it less appealing in like part six and Lupin in general when the stakes are so grounded and realistic that it feels like the, the episode feels more like something I could read on MSNBC rather than you know. A Lupin story. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Because, like, the last episode, you know, we had, you know, it was it was a politician, and oh no, there's deep fakes being made, and isn't this, you know, 
this is terrible. This poor politician. Whereas in this episode, it's like, here's Fujiko's thieving buddy. Here's an IT tech billionaire who gets his face horribly scarred like a hammer horror villain, goes and hides off in a <laughs> castle, forms like a cult with people wearing plague doctor masks, and Lupin and her partner, in, uh, not Lupin, Fujiko, Amelia, and Lupin just completely own them. It's, see, that, that, that right. it's the shit I live for. When you describe it like that, that makes it like 10 times better for me. Right. It's just like off the shit. <laughs> exactly. Like it needs to be just a little bonkers. It's like, like, like it has to have like that little tad of just the silliness. I think I'm just so used to it being bonkers that it didn't even occur to me until you described it like that. Not like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. That is absolutely absurd. <laughs> exactly. Like it, 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 it's, 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 it's it's what I want in my Lupine, like personally. And I'm so glad like this episode had that. Also like uh, the first half of the series, Fujiko got, you know, a lot of love, a lot of like great writing. That was, there was the jet black diamond episode. That was incredible. Uh, Darwin's bird. She was fantastic in, but in this half, Mm -hmm. like she kind of took a little bit of a backseat. Like the moment she did have were really great, but I was kind of bummed out with how like not super involved she was with it. And this episode really made up for it. Because, like, I, I, I loved her dynamic with Amelia. Like, Amelia being, like, this super bubbly and just, like, really excited personality. And Fujiko just constantly being like, yeah, you know, every time we've done something, it's gone horribly wrong. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm not sure, like, you know, if, if I'm up for this. Hey, you know, what was it? Speak or eat. Don't do both. Like, one of the two, like. Right, right. I'm, and it's just that, uh, like, steal or speak or steal don't do both yeah yep. just very like i like i don't know how to describe it because like i was like noticing that too mm-hmm. it's a very different dynamic i mean it's interesting because you know <laughs> talk about the evolution of fujiga as a character especially because a lot of the conversations i've had with fans um you know currently watching part six has been like you know fujiga has been different has been written differently especially in part six like she's not so much backstabbing anybody she's very much teaming up with lupon and again like i will always say this it confirms to me that they are canonically married but at the same time lupon is down with that dynamic he said it before yeah. like I-, I love it when when you backstab me it's it's just another friday night honey like do it again <laughs> but but to see fujiko again be like the straight woman when it came to the i mean she always was very much goal oriented in her thievery but to have like someone who is just the complete opposite of her in both looks persona and um what's the word um i guess i already said it but just looks and persona and how they work um with their job you know and have her be like yo like if you're either eat or talk don't like very motherly almost yeah yeah yeah, they're friends but she's still very motherly because it's like eat or talk don't do both talk or thief don't do both and i i liked it especially Mm -hmm. because you know with the big with the big reveal with amelia being pregnant which i called by the way because it's like there's only two reasons why a woman who's considered a a heavy smoker would quit smoking it's either one they really, you know, it's a health problem or a weight thing. And obviously that's yeah. not one of them. And Or two, she's pregnant. And I'm like, bitch gotta be pregnant. And then it was cemented with the, the hamburger. And of course, when the um, 
when those mechanical things come out, the the branding mm -hmm. and how she moved out of the way, clutching her stomach immediately. It's like, oh yeah, that, that bitch is pregnant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Which nothing against that plot twist, but it's like Fujiko having that dynamic with Amelia, I, I just fucking love it because it kind of showed me that what I've written for Fujiko as an actual mom in my stories comes to be true. So I wasn't just like going half cock with it or anything, you know? It's funny mm -hmm. you mention this because one of my notes actually said, like, for me, it's almost like she's motherly to her, but like, I wrote a different note in regards to dealing with a child. Mm -hmm. I was like, also confirms my headcanon that she isn't the best with children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of like a sim, <laughs> like, just like, puts it on the ground. Like, <laughs> oh, no, I don't want that. But, but but again, like again, it's different when you have your own child. Like right. I, I have I have friends who who years ago were like, I hate kids, kids are nasty, fuck kids, and then suddenly they have kids and, and, and their whole dynamic changes. Like well, even with my one friend who never liked kids, but was always nice to children until she had her own and was like very uber protective and like, you know this is mine. I've never felt true love and I will kill anybody <laughs> for harming them. If anything happens, so I'll kill everybody in this room myself. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> and again, if Fujiko had her own kid, it'd be different. But like yeah. so far, you know, she she didn't like the poor baby. It, it is until... funny that you brought up like that book because that was literally a note that I wrote that was just like, She's to me like a literal sim when it comes to a child. Yeah, she's like, like can you stop pulling my hair now? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just kind of like like fiddling with her hair and stuff. Um I, I just thought it was an interesting side of her that I've always <laughs> thought that she's had. Um mm -hmm. that I've kind of appreciated was brought out because I know I had mentioned that this episode I think really did a really good exploration of Fujiko and that was one of them but mm -hmm. also she has a very very controlling nature yeah um and I just don't know if that's ever really explored upon uh I think a lot of people just like think that Fujiko is the way that she is uh, and that she can be like backstabbing and stuff but she probably has like a lot like she obviously is a control freak um mm -hmm. doesn't feel like this might even be too much of a deep dive into her. Uh, like, feel like she can trust somebody enough to take the reins. Mm -hmm. um, that's why, like, I like her relationship with Lupin, which this episode and just part six in general has gotten to like really good depth about like the complicatedness of their relationship. Mm -hmm. um, is that they obviously love each other. And I think he's one of the few people that she can actually rely on mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, but it's not really touched on really, I think, until this episode where like a big thing is like, let me handle it. Kind of like, let me take the uh, wait. Also a theme in part five, too, between Lupin and Jigen. So I thought like that's a big part of just like recent iterations of Lupin. Uh, and I don't think Fujiko has really gotten that until just now mm -hmm. yeah green i mean it's also interesting how um i kind of figured the episode was going this direction but i love the coincidence that the um 
the financial group that Lupin was trying to hack earlier happened to be in connection with Grayson. And then it just, you know, it's like, oh, you're here, Fujiko. Oh, Lupin, you're here. Let's do this. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coinky dink? I think not, but. <laughs> I think not. And, and like, Fujiko's resolve, too. Like, she's just such a strong character. Like, she literally mm-hmm. had a, like, brand, like, in her face twice and doesn't yep. even, like, blink. Oh my god. That was incredible. Yeah, and also like this episode should kind of really I mean not really but like a little bit of a content warning because like Grayson as a villain and again Lupin we're so used to like just one-sided not really fully developed um, one-off villains but it's like Grayson and his obsession to brand Fujiko even after mm-hmm. what he what he acts what she accidentally did to him um it, it just made me uncomfortable um and it's like poor Fujiko the shit as a woman she has to deal with and I I know she's a fictional character but like how she's written to like not flinch in the eye of like this 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 hot branding just coming at her it's like my girl like yeah. my girl <laughs> while wearing her fucking bra and panties too by the way yeah this episode was very uh horny in a lot of ways but not you mean like Lupin's same, never horny same not in like the same way as like other fujiko like content is i feel mm-hmm. like it was just a little bit i i don't want to say subtle because yeah she was in her fucking bra and panties uh, for like a lot of it, but it was almost it wasn't done in like an, almost like an overtly sexual way. And then like, but there was also mm-hmm. well that she was tied up. Uh, there were nuns, and that's a that's a thing. Yeah, there sadly, yeah that that's a thing. And then like lots of beat shots that so. didn't get past me. <laughs> oh wait, you're right. Oh. It's me. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino had some input on this episode, apparently. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> it always comes back to the feet. <laughs> so, like, you know, yeah, she was in her bra and panties, and, like, for a lot of it, it just didn't, like, and there was a lot of other parts to it that felt more, like, sexual than just that. But then also you have these two women that were like apparently I probably doing it at some point. Uh, hey, they were roommates. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh <laughs> my god, they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it wouldn't surprise me whatever friendship dynamic Fujiko has. I I do have this thing in my head canon that like yeah, Lupin and Jigen probably get it on like on the on the low low. They just you know don't admit it. But yeah. Fujiko probably got it got it on with Amelia on the low low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just friends being very friendly. Yeah, just, you know, you know, just another day with my eccentric friend, just, you know, yeah. stealing from some asshole gal pals. Yeah, yeah, just, just gals being pals. Just gals being pals. <laughs> you know, just friends, you know, like Ken and Ryu, you know, just friends. <laughs> or like me and Emma, gal pals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, where's the sun, bro? You are my son, bro. <laughs> bro. 
Um, <laughs> I, I really did, uh, especially on on rewatch it because I watched it so back to back and like watching it the second time, you pick up a, like a lot more on certain beats, mostly because they get like outright mentioned in the end. But like bits, like um, obviously Fuchiko having like that kind of cold, like you know, controlling not cold, but you know, like very straightforward, matter of fact demeanor. But you right, know, right. Cl- but but specifically clocking the moment when. Amelia sees, you know, all the bank transfers from the orphanage and like registers that. Right. And like the, 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 the whole moment of her, like, you know, just calling Lupin to like help Amelia out. So like, it is, I, I love the, uh, the complexity of Fujiko. Right. She's more empathetic than people give her credit for. And that exactly. like, is apparent. Like, yeah, she saw somebody's facial expression when looking at something and pick, like picked up on it. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to have some level of empathy there to be able to do that. And I don't mm-hmm. think people really pay attention to that with her. They're just focused on her being like kind of manipulative and stuff. It's like, whatever. Thanks. <laughs> Give her a break. If Lupin can do it, so can she, people. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it gets back to this deeper, this deeper topic that I, that I want to explore pretty soon of like, you know, I I still don't understand that where the ire and the hatred for Fujiko comes from, especially 50 years of content in the series where her character is just so like more fleshed out and 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 she's she's gone like come like watch it's so jarring sometimes to watch current Lupin, whether it's part six or a recent movie or special, and then watch part one and just see the difference in Fujiko's mm-hmm. characterization. Like, again, it's been stated before, Lupin's down down in the DMs with the fucking um, backstabbing. Um, but yeah, and there's times where, like, you kind of get mad at Fujiko because it's like, what a bitch. But at the core of it, her character has been fleshed out. She's gotten better. Yeah. Why still the why still the hatred? And I, I still think, don't understand this. I think aside from Lupin, she's definitely the most complex character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we had a whole series dedicated to her. And, right. and yes, I'm going back on my bullshit talking about a uh, woman called Fujiko Mine, but I stan woman called Fujiko Mine, not just right. as a series, but how it how it goes in depth to Fujiko's character without giving her a concrete backstory. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, that was that good shit right there. Right. And for, and for people to still be hated on my girl and I see you people, it's coming <laughs> from a misogynistic place. It's not because, Oh, you know, she's bad and she, and she steals from Lupin and backstabs her. No, 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 no. You just don't like women. Lupin's I see right back. He and does. Lupin has done worse or shit. Like, like, come on! Everyone forgets because they're like <laughs> Fujiko just backstabs them all. It's like I'm sorry, y'all, but it did. I, I don't know if you know this, but you know the whole point of the series is it. They're criminals. They do criminal <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> You're all criminals, except for Zenigata. <laughs> exactly. Well, Zenigata has done some shady shit too, right, and I'm not shady. talking about fucking Fujiko Mine. Shady shit in woman called Fujiko Mine, who's a fucking scumbag. <laughs> Uh, he was the real classification of a pig. Yeah, hey. literal, like literally a <laughs> I, I don't associate with woman called Fujiko Mine's in Nagata. I only associate with Goemon's blood. Me neither. In no, the only, <laughs> Me the only way I 
But I, I can't even say off the record because we're recording. The only way I fuck with Zeddy with Zeddy Gato from the woman called Fujiko Mine is that he absolutely got pegged and he took it. Fujiko <laughs> pegging. <laughs> <laughs> Credit where credit is due. Clean, clean yourself of unholy thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, like, yeah, Fujiko is probably one of the most complex characters of the series, and I just mm-hmm. people that don't people people just don't like that. <laughs> I'm not sure people what like that is. Maybe because they're like, oh, we're watching a silly monkey show, um, or maybe it's because she's a woman. I don't know, and because like she is a woman that. Her moral compass is a little skewed. Skewed, uh, but aren't we all? Yeah, aren't we all? Especially when they're criminals. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these people are criminals, and, and, and that's what. <laughs> yeah, at the yeah, at the core of it, they're criminals. They're doing bad things. I'm not sitting here advocating for you all to go to your nearest Target or I don't know, go to the Louis Vuitton store and steal shit. Don't do it, but. <laughs> I don't know. Stealing from a target sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off the record. Off the record. Off the record, indeed. Allegedly. Um, whichever word I need to use yeah. to <laughs> clear us. No, the only thing I've stolen really has been a drinking glass from one of the bars I went to in Marquette. It was like a really cool like tulip glass. And it was super crowded, and I was like, I want this glass. And I just slipped it into my purse, and I still have it. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> but, we have um, some thievery. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be like Anna Sorokin and start, you know, being a con artist either. But <laughs> Right. So, like, speaking of crimes... <laughs> So some of the stuff listed in this episode, like I know Drew, you had mentioned earlier that like it's like off the wall bonkers and bl- like mm-hmm. all that. So it's very Lupin esque, uh, unlike like the two parter. But also, I would say it is also very Lupin esque in the fact that like some of the shit is absolutely super dark and again yep. off the wall. Uh, I wrote human taxidermy question mark. Ooh, that's that, that's kind of grim. <laughs> Like this episode takes a few dark turns, like oh, halfway yeah. through. Oh, it takes which... very dark turns. Again, like the fact that the branding landed on the dude's eye, like yeah. oof. <laughs> metal, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very metal. But also, like human taxidermy. I, I, I when I was watching in the server in Aficionados Crisis server, um, and they said, and it said human taxidermy. I was, I was remembering that exhibit that I saw um, 10, 10, 13 years ago, it was like the, the human body exhibit. Yeah, body oh yeah. The body. Dude, that yeah. was like the coolest thing ever. No, thank you. That I, I, I still have like issues after seeing that exhibit. I'm sorry. Like this is why I never went into the medical field. I, I became a liberal arts major, like, and I'm <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> Where's the like, so cool but i mean the mention of human taxidermy did did throw me for a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> it, threw, like- it threw me too because like technically technically you 
could stuff a human for preservation. You shouldn't. But there's Isn't a reason why like, it's easier. like ancient Egypt, didn't they like stuff? Well, well, that's mummification, darling. Yeah. yeah, I know that, but it's the same type of process, right? Or stuffing a body, right? Just like a Thanksgiving turkey. The body. <laughs> I don't know. I need to. I need to reeducate myself on that. But that's a different topic for a different podcast. I don't know. We're on the topic of human taxidermy. As, as, as one does, you know. <laughs> Drew and Natalie are like. Emma having be on this episode was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just more in the collective of uh, um, taxidermy and human bodies was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's that is absolutely a crime. It's not ideal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> depends on what state you're in. Wait, no, <laughs> would embalming be technically? Hmm. Hmm. Deep thoughts. Um, But going back to the episode, um, can can we all acknowledge that for once um, there's a loophole, there's something with Lupin that has a baby that is drawn fucking accurate? Oh my god, the baby was the the baby looked cute. Was actually fucking cute. I didn't want to. The baby looked not even just cute, but normal. Exactly. Yeah, like. I think I think we're all in agreement here that Princess of the Breeze ruined babies for some people, including myself. Like I still want my own child someday, someday, someday. But I think when I watched Princess of the Breeze, I was like, I'm good on not having kids right now or ever. Yeah, no, good point. No one's even written in my notes. I was like, that is a cute baby. Probably because I was expecting a horrifying one instead. That's just what I've come to expect after Princess of the Bees. Is that yep. all the babies mm-hmm. look We've been awful. conditioned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, at least someone on the TMS animating team, I, I hope to God, like just saw an actual baby or, or has an actual baby. <laughs> was like, we're going to make this baby cute. Because we've seen what we've done with Princess <laughs> of the fucking Breeze. And was literally like Leonardo DiCaprio, like pointing at it, like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, the baby was cute, and I love how the baby learned the catchphrase. Day, like that weird catchphrase. I don't understand that fucking catchphrase. I don't get it either. Why but it's is funny. it that? It, yeah. I mean, it's like why is it that if I say Davy, that means it's all on me that I'm in control of this, like. The fuck? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> At first, I thought it meant like with the babies that she named him that. Mm-hmm. That's what my, I thought too. Yeah. And I did like, appreciate Fujiko being called daddy. I thought that was kind of hot, actually. Yeah. In, 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 in a, not in a gay way or anything, but it's like. There were those gay, those beautiful sapphic moments, like with the truck driver, like, hey, cute ladies. Oh, yeah, this is, you know, and there was like no dialogue or anything. (laughs) Just Amelia clinging to Fujiko, like, yeah, this is my girlfriend. Aw, lesbians. Yeah, that that (laughs) entire scene was really time. (laughs) Yeah, and then, you know, the ending when she's like, this is is your papa, Fujiko. And it's like, please, please don't have your kid call me dad. <laughs> She's like Jigen in the the Conan movies. Don't call me Papa. Yeah, don't don't yeah. call me Papa. <laughs> I, I loved Fujiko's very normal reaction to um uh, Amelia constantly saying Davy at the dinner table. She's like, ugh, there's that incantation again. Which 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Props to Ian for translating that because that was just like the, the best way to word it. It's fucking that incantation. Mm-hmm. Right. I do like to Ian's translations. I've noticed Fujiko actually has a bit more of a potty mouth. Mm. I'm not sure if like anybody else has really picked up on that. Huh. That what? She said more of a potty mouth. Oh, like yeah. she said, like in this one, she said like jackass. Um, couple other things too. Like I've just no, I was like, I'm not sure if I've ever like seen that out of her before. I mean, I well, read her like for sure. Well, in the dub, like what I found fun in the dub with like you know the because remember with the part two dub it went way off right of a like, i almost don't even consider because it was just like its own thing yeah and there mm-hmm. were moments where like fujiko did swear and, and but it, but almost always like if she did use if, if she did say bitch it was always you know in the matter of another woman mm-hmm. which yeah. made it all the more catty and dramatic and you know for a teenager who loved watching cat fights in high school it was like yes get back at that other woman Fujiko, <laughs> call her a bitch <laughs> so um i mean yeah i've seen Fuji- i've heard fujiko swear but mm-hmm. yeah. The, the, Not the, in the Japanese. Oh, the one the one Japanese example I can think of is in uh, from Siberia with Love, which is that glorious moment where she gets cut off on the road and literally does the arm and is like yes. fuck, "fuck you" and says it in English. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think yeah. of. It's perfect. I know everyone says like Jigen's probably like the biggest potty mouth. But oh, totally. Maybe mm-hmm. it's Fujiko. <laughs> maybe maybe fujiko does have the mouth of a teamster but honestly it's like out of the five of them jigen is totally the one that has the mouth of a teamster i say that as being raised by two teamsters so right like he's definitely the one that's openly about it fujiko you get every now and then just swears like a sailor i'm here for it i like it oh heck yeah i'm I'm all down for it (laughs) Uh, speaking of language and characters in Jigen, it's not foul language, but Jigen said thingamabob in this episode. I appreciated that. Important. Uh, from Ian's anyway. translations. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I did write that too, that Jigen said thingamabob. That's yeah, a word Jigen would like, say. something technological too, because that, yep. that, that, that track. That's exactly how you review it. Can we talk about um, the guillotine in here? <sighs> Yes. Only really because like only because you love guillotines, because we know that. So. <laughs> I really loved that. And who doesn't? <laughs> um, there's a difference. I love guillotines on a practical level because I think we should bring them back and, you know, revolution. But Indeed. in terms of, like, the two of us who actually have history degrees, I'm not the one who focused mine on the terror, so. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they just, like, showed it. Too. It was like just there. It wasn't the It wasn't the mechanism that they used, right? Like it was more yeah. of like the branding thing. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> Why have the guillotine in there? Like I, I was like, <laughs> I don't know, and we shouldn't be rolling our heads about this, you guys. But hey. <laughs> Just because Chris isn't here doesn't mean I can't. Yep, doesn't mean I can't put a pun in. You made him proud. I'm like for Drew. Oh, it's coming. Oh, 
It's just like, it's just like, like, oh, Emma, don't lose your head. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Twofer. (laughs) I'm on a roll here, a head roll, you might say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, Guillaume and Chris, just be proud of me right now, please. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I was kind of bummed out because like. You know, he's like, take Fujiko to the execution chamber. It shows a guillotine. I'm like, oh, man, we are going, like, you know, wild and over the top. And then it's like, ah, it's just a brand new thing. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, right. it's still wild and over the top in terms of, like, the in terms of, like, just of the storyline. I mean, the, oh, yeah. this dude yeah. is obsessed with branding people. Which, oh, thank you for bringing back that up. Because, you know, this is, you know, at the with the with the storyline itself with this episode mm-hmm. you know grayson ends up becoming a cult leader and having a cult and his thing was always about branding people now i don't like talking about real life events unless you know we'll hear for the podcast unless it's semi-relevant but it's like when you talk about cults and what cults have done, especially to indoctrinate and hurt their um, their followers, the only one that I can think of in recent memory that did have that whole branding was the Nexium cult. Y'all ever heard oh, of that? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, like some Hollywood actors um, were kind of getting these girls on. Like, I don't know the whole details because I wasn't super interested in, in learning about it. Because you know, mm-hmm. the the topic itself, it's pretty depressing. Like, yes. if you guys want to give yourself a bad day, like literally Google the Nexium cults, it's and it sounded like an warning. MLM from. Yeah, big content warning. Like it sounds like when I heard about it, it sounded like an MLM kind of situation. But to hear that this dude basically like. Um, sexually assaulted and assaulted these women and and held them captive and then branded them with a real you know um what's it called cattle prod um yeah cattle prod branding these women as his own property and it's like you know it's something you don't want to hear about Mm -hmm. and, and it just makes you feel uncomfortable obviously and it's interesting that for you know the influence that it wouldn't surprise me that TMS heard about that and put it, well, you know, we got a cult coming up. Uh, how should we make them? Let's make them like the Nexium people. That's brilliant. And you get this shit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, so to be fair, the like cult history, like it's all dark. So it's mm-hmm. like- <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying cult history is pretty. I am not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. You know, you, you you have what Manson did to well, like Manson didn't torture his followers, but he did, for lack of a better word, um, mind manipulated and yeah, even sexually manipulated these people, these women and, and some men. And, you know, you also have um, the Heaven's Gate cult leader, cult leader um who was uh, i'm not gonna get into like how sorted that gentleman was but mm. yeah cult history is you know cults and cult history is not pretty um but it's just interesting they went for that right. more modern you know influence because mm-hmm. i would have preferred it more if they went i don't know the the way like, <laughs> like, like that one's pretty dark <laughs> Yeah, but at least there's no cattle prodding. That's <laughs> not that I remember. See, when yeah. I think cattle prod, I just think fucking jackass. Oh my god. <laughs> Poor one out for Bam. <laughs> Bam. Bam's ass. Didn't he get that removed? 
I can't believe we're talking about this. How did he so get that <laughs> You can actually. I've seen it on Outlander. It doesn't mean it's an actual it, thing. It, it's so it wouldn't be like burning off your fingers. <laughs> oh. Essentially, you would either burn off or rip off that part. I can, No, no, no. You're going to have to edit that out. No, that's staying in. <laughs> Welcome to Cyberbirds and Cigarettes, where we're talking about Bam Margera's Cavalcron ass. <laughs> I'm Guy Knoxville. Welcome to Cyberbirds and Cigarettes. <laughs> oh boy. So moving the topic, moving the topic from Bam Margera's ass back to the uh, the Part Six episode. I was just saying, like that scene where she's about to like with like Grayson and stuff. There was an animation error with her eyes. Oh, what was it? Uh, Fujiko's eyes are blue in a scene. At first, I thought we were going back to Darwin's burn. Yeah. the When, when, she, when she's on the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. That was my last note. So everything is off the hinge right now. Oh, so going off the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what were you going to say? Um <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, where exactly this was going to go because, like, you had the whole thing with Grayson, and like they were building up this like Church of Ion and this cult thing is like something unrelated. But then, like, it sh- she shows her a picture on the tablet of a man with a mask with like suspicious looking hair and like the exact same facial structure. I'm like, okay, so we're obviously not going to play this as a big mystery reveal because this is like you know incredibly obvious. But, like, I appreciate how the episode ended up flowing where, like, the reveal wasn't, like, the like the point. Because I was kind of worried for a minute. I'm like, oh, please don't be, like, you know, a cheap, like, ah, it's this cult leader, but it is me. You know, like, this guy. They both Mario. knew from the get-go. <laughs> like, like, the mm-hmm. minute they saw him, they're like, obviously, the audience is not privy to it. But you find out later that they both were like, oh, that's Grayson. All right, we're gonna go wreck his shit. Let's go. Like, which like, mm-hmm. it's again, it, it adds like layers to Fujiko. And again, this is me kind of rambling. Like, I, I'm just glad they didn't take the route of like them showing up and being like, oh, "It was you." Or like, they're smarter than that, obviously, and especially right. Fujiko oh, totally. is smarter than that. Yeah, Fujiko knew from the beginning, and I'm glad. I'm glad of that. But also, what I do like is that th- this this whole resolution with. Grayson and with Amelia, even with Fujiko getting Fujikoed, and I kind of, you know, I I kind of love that because I've written in stories um, Fujiko getting Fujikoed, and her just going kind of like, oh, so that's what that feels like. Yeah, like <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so that's what that feels like. But also, um, the fact that you can say honestly. Fujiko does have standards or a bar or humanity in her because it's not so much that she's bringing down Grayson because Grayson is a piece of shit person and needs to be knocked down several pegs, but because of the fact that it, it all stems from why Amelia is doing this because of her friends and the orphanage that were, that were trafficked. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Lupin gang are criminals, but they do have standards. They, they, yep. they, they will fuck up the people who, the criminals who are actually worse than they are. It's right. like, you know, it's like the better, the better call Saul thing of like, you know, this fan, this gentleman is getting arrested for embezzlement and the wife's just mad at the lawyers. And it's like, Oh, so you're telling me you guys are going to let rapists and murderers out on the streets and arrest my husband who is completely innocent. It's like, lady, your husband, while he isn't a rapist or a murderer, he's still an embezzler. Like, 
I know their standards, but still. Mm-hmm. It's like Fujiko has standards. So yeah. does Lupin. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. I don't think they hit Fujiko having that as often. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that I'm glad they do it when they like do it. Well, I, I think cor- they focus more on like Lupin having like yeah, that. And Lupin having th- having those morals. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because again, we've seen time and time again Lupin going after you know what are essentially scummy scummy people. So that that's one thing. Again, I, I mentioned it earlier, like in my initial thoughts. I I, I appreciate when Lupin can get dark and serious and tackle those subjects, but still have that sense. I don't want to say the word fun because it's not fun, but that sense of like, what is it? Like theatricality or just like, you know, something over the top because like this could have easily been like, you know, a straightforward drama where like, you know, Grayson's just, I mean, look at the entirety of like, I don't know, like the end of goodbye partner where like Grayson's just like, you know, a skeezy businessman behind a desk and they have this whole showdown there. But no, like, let, 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 let's tackle this whole thing with, you know, a corrupt IT company that, you know, dabbles in human trafficking. But, you know, that's all in the context of a big gothic church where the guy was branded right. directly in his eye with his own logo. And that even like made a touch of his hair white. And you just and and, and also his demise was w- gloriously brutal and over the top. Which was very deserved yeah. for a character like him, with Lupin just being like, "Oh yeah, your AI is on the fritz; it doesn't recognize you, you anymore." Bye, and like the entire furnace <laughs> just drops on him, which was oh, so good, very cathartic. Which for he his fucking character. deserved either way. So. Right. Hoisted, Absolutely. hoisted by his own petard, which is hoist. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that Grayson Couldn't is have... a dick. Yeah, it could have happened to a more like... deserving person. Kind of like remind me of Two Face a bit. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, you're such not a wrong. common trope, though. I know it's such a common trope. The scarred. I mean, I've done it too. Not in not in a Lupin story, but I've done it in in my own personal stories where I've had a a villain character like just come out evil after getting yeah disfigured. Yeah, we've seen it with Zuko. We've seen it with we've seen it with Two Face. Like. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's ever done. Huh? Well, Phantom of the Opera is different. He wasn't. It, it wasn't yeah. like he got disfigured and then became a dick. He was born disfigured, okay. and because you know society at the time couldn't accept a disfigured person, and he didn't know what true love was, he was you know an insult in the basement. The last iteration of that I've watched was the animated one where like the cat just like falls on the ground. That's the one I showed you. Like, calm yeah. down. <laughs> huh. you're, you're not there? No. <laughs> I don't think I was. I forget who all watched that. Uh, it was a Halloween uh, watch party on Chris's thing. Either way, like what oh, yeah. I'm trying to say here is it's such a common trope that right. it didn't surprise me that they did it. Oh, the yeah. Phantom of the Opera is not included in that trope. So. Yes, okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. all. It's like the cat. <laughs> they, they made, they animated that movie with a budget of like $2. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. 
<laughs> you know, Emma, it's really funny that you brought up Two Face after my failed Batman pun because that was my pun and it it, it crashed and burned. <laughs> Wait, you tried making a Batman pun? Yeah, you should know that Grayson. He's a dick. Oh my god. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, it's kind of like Two Face. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not even mad. <laughs> you were probably like, <laughs> subconsciously it worked. It got past like my Metal Gear Solid level of like like reconnaissance cone. <laughs> oh man. Fujiko's dynamic with like, because y- y'all touched on the uh, the motherly like relationship she kind of has with the Nui in some places, kind of reminded me of um uh, Fujiko's lie specifically, like how uh, her and Jean's relationship were like it seems like it is entirely like not one sided but like it seems like she's just stringing this kid along just to get the money. Doesn't care about his relationship, his relationship with like you know his dad or anything, and all this yeah. stuff. But like again, even that movie was really nice because it had that complexity of where like there is that like motherly like instinct there because like at the end of that movie, she goes out of her way to face off with uh, Binkum when like she has no reason to. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to watch into a review of that movie, but like she goes out of her way mm-hmm. to like. Uh, risk her own life to take out this last remaining link to uh, Jean and Randy, I think, for their names. Which was like, all this is like a big rambling thing to say where like, I I appreciate the depiction of Fujiko where it's like, she does have empathy and will like, put her life on the line to like, you know, help someone else. Like, Like she does, you know, with, with, you know, Grayson at the end because, you know, she, 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 she puts herself I need. I should have wrote down notes to make this a lot clearer. But like, she, the, she actually like puts herself physically in front of Amelia. Yep, they got th- th- um, that moment exactly. Yeah, while she's in her, like, but also you know, like she gives she gives Amelia here. not necessarily a morality lesson, but has this morality and tells her, "I get it, Grayson. Grayson, in effect, um, killed your friends and." Mm-hmm he had what was coming to him, but you don't want your kid to be raised by a murderer. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it just, it wouldn't sit right. And it's like, wow, Fujiko, you're really concerned for this kid's well being, mm-hmm. which is surprising. But again, I wasn't surprised by it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you truly know Fujiko, like, you know, that she would feel that way about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. in part two, when she thinks that Lupin, it's murdering people. She's she's saw like the most open about it, like just like mm-hmm. infuriated by it. Um, so I think that's like a big part of her morality is like definitely like not killing unless she like is the last resort, which yep. I think happens very early for her. Probably mm-hmm. more so than like the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the other three is killing down and guy. <laughs> boy i don't want this to launch into like a whole thing about the quick movies because this is a review of part six but like that that, that also reminds mm-hmm. me of like the way the entire gang is portrayed in those movies like where killing is an absolute like last resort for all of them right, right. in that series 
because um, you've got what is it? I don't want to give spoilers, but like pretty much every villain except for in if in Fujiko's lie, because again, it is the absolute last resort to keep you know Gene and his father alive. Um, it, it is really unfortunate the way Fujiko gets perceived and treated in the fandom, especially recently, because like we've, yeah. we've, we've gotten part four, five, six, Jigen's Gravestone, eh, but the other two Koike movies like have given her yeah. incredibly strong characterization. And a lot of the TV specials and old series did too. Like, I, I would suppose it's like, and again, because I, I love part two, but part two can be hit or miss in general. And there are some episodes of part two where she where she's written horribly. I agree. I agree. I was about to mention that earlier when uh, Natalie was talking about like the different parts in the past. I was like, part two was probably like the worst mm-hmm. for her, like in terms mm-hmm. of written. So, yep. And it's like, I mean, it does, it does fluctuate, but right. I mm-hmm. felt like I've noticed that, you know, there's so many dynamics with her character, but the, the two common trope dynamics we get with Fujigo is the backstabbing one and mm-hmm. the damsel in distress one. And if it's not right. one, it's the other. And if none of them are in there, they do a bait and switch with it, or she's just part of the gang and, you know, um, kumbaya, life goes on. Kiss a raw, Sorry. Um, but it's, I really do feel like once we got to the really awesome special, the Columbus Files, um, we get a different like we get a different take on Fujiko where she is a damsel in distress, but she's not so but but she is as helpless, but not so helpless. You know what I mean? Right. It's she like, can still fire like when she like does the firing of the gun and all that. Mm-hmm. Like she still yes. obviously like has that instinct. Yeah. And it's like right after we don't get the damsel in distress motif with her anymore. And if we do, um, she is able to get out of it. Like in this episode, like, yeah, you know, we had her spread in her bra and panties. Like she's on a St. Andrew's cross and we're getting, get ready to like cattle prod her, but no, she got out of it. Cause she's a boss ass bitch, which is why like one of the things I just seriously detest about how Fujiko is written is the damsel in distress element. Mm-hmm. Cause she's not a damsel in distress. Right. She's a boss fucking ass bitch. That, and that infuriates me more than like the backstabbing aspect. Mm-hmm. Cause at least the backstabbing has like a lot of thought to it. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just Lupin, but female. Again, Lupin loves it. It's a yeah. typical, it's a typical fucking day for him. Like, I'm sorry for all the expletives, but it's just, Again, it, it really does make me think why people hate Fujiko. And, it, and, and unless you've been in the fandom, and I will always say this, unless you've been in the fandom here in America since the mid-2000s, you know what I'm talking about. The utter vitriol hatred of Fujiko that is still prevalent to this day. And I've had a lot of, I, I know it's like useless to argue with people on the internet, but it's just, but the times I have put my input on it, just proves to me that a lot of this hatred is very misogynistic and ridiculous. No. Like when people are like, I just remember in this one post, people are like, I don't like Fujiko. But, um, can you tell me why you don't like Fujiko? And I put, Oh, look, y'all are, are hating on her because y'all are misogynistic. And someone threw an expletive at me and told me to go fuck myself. And it's like, mm. that, that doesn't prove my point. 
I mean, that, that doesn't Actually, your point, it, but whatever. it is proving your point. <laughs> <laughs> Walk right into it there. Oh, buddy. yeah, but, like, that doesn't prove your point. Right, but... right. It doesn't hurt theirs, so but it proves yours. Uh, yeah. I, can I go on, like, a bit of a personal tangent about my feelings with Fujiko? Uh, obviously, like I said earlier, she's kind of my brand. Um, I have cosplayed her so much. Uh, to the point where I made an OnlyFans page. Surprise, surprise, if you didn't know that. Uh, based off by Fujiko Cosplay. Um, I feel a very, very, very strong connection to this character. Well, it Like, I always joke, like, that meme of, like, post the three characters that, like, you relate to. Well, mine always exposes me. <laughs> Uh, like, I'm always, like, worried about that because I always pick three characters that are very complex and are kind of morally, like, shaky. I wouldn't say I'm morally shaky. I like to try to think that I'm a decent person. Mm-hmm. But I know that in the past I've also hurt people, and I've hurt people in the same way that, like, Fujiko has, whether or not she means it. So... When I see this hatred of her, this very misplaced hatred of her, it, like, feels weird to me. So I'm like, man, like, I know, like, there's a whole thing online about, like, comfort characters, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you wouldn't want me saying that about yours. Or if, like, you mm-hmm. identify, mm-hmm. like, with, say, Jigen or something. Because I know plenty of people identify with Jigen. Um, it's like one of the most common ones that people identify with. So, and I, I love Jigen, so I would never do that. I just would never say, it, like, even characters that I, like, in general, like, in all the fandoms I'm in, like, if there's one that I don't particularly like, I just don't really talk about it. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, because you never know, like, how much person can identify themselves with some, like, a character. And, like, I see so much of myself in Fujiko um, with just the way, like how complex she can come off, but like that empathy is there, but also tries to keep a lot of people at arm's distance to like kind of protect herself, but also like that controlling factor. She only thinks that she could do it right. (laughs) So like, so she's very deeply flawed too. But she's just so wonderful, and as Lupin says, she like she's a great woman mm-hmm. in part four. Um, it's like it's like you're a good man, Charlie Brown, but it's uh, you're a good woman, <laughs> Fujiko. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what does he say to Jigen when she's riding? Like, she, she's not just like any woman. Like, she's a great woman. Mm-hmm. Um, in the what? Like the magician's left hand, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When he's talking about, I think so. Um, so like, obviously, everyone knows how much Lupin simps over her, uh, and he says stuff like that to her about her all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a mighty fine lady. Again, yes. like, there's a reason. I mean, I like to think that there is a bigger reason, but there is a reason why we have a whole series dedicated to her. Mm-hmm. And again, like, she's a wonderful character. It kind of hurts a little bit to see her get hated on like on a personal level like i know yeah, she's a fictional character and all that but it's like man i see so much of myself in her it's like so like in a way it's like okay 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, it hurts me more on the personal level of being a woman than it does like on a personal level that I identify with her. Because yes. honestly, I identify with Lupin, but yes. um, but as a woman, it does it does hurt me when Fujiko gets gets shit on. So right, mm-hmm. like I, I've seen so many people say it's like if a man does that and he does, it's Lupin doesn't get nearly as doesn't get nearly as shit on. Mm-hmm. No, because haven't you realized, Emma? It's a man's world, and if the man does it, it's cool and hip, and we all want to be like him. Yeah, but when a woman does it, she's a Lilith, and she's you know she's a Jezebel, and it's this tropes that have come since biblic- biblical times. <laughs> and obviously, I'm talking in sarcasm here. <laughs> <laughs> really now. <laughs> <laughs> we have said so many of my favorite words on this Jezebel, yeah. hoist uh... <laughs> hoist just sounds like moist and as someone who has a last no. name that sounds like moist it, I hate Not it words. Yeah, no, ew, why would you ruin one of my favorite words <laughs> do you know what my last name is jeez thanks I hate it <laughs> but that was my personal tangent on it like, like I said I just relate very strongly to Fujiko and just see so much of myself and her. Mm-hmm. Obviously not all of it. I don't like, like I said, I try to do the best thing I could do. Try not to hurt people. And I, I don't think she lives by that credo as much. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you did try to backstab me last week. So obviously I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but on that note, <laughs> I, I just think I just think part six in this episode overall has been a great explanation exploration of Fujiko's character uh, as herself, but also in my notes I wrote to like her and Lupin as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is probably one of you know this is my probably one of my favorites next to in terms of the one offs at least. This is one of my favorite episodes of part six. I I love when we get more of that sweet, sweet Fujiko storyline, I wish they do. I, I highly doubt it, but I hope they bring back Amelia. Um, I do too. In some capacity. If not, yes. I will totally write her, you know, she again, like a bit of Rebecca. Yeah. Nah, not to me. Just, just a tiny bit. <laughs> well, but this is just on the, on the, on the level of our Rebecca and Fujiko besties. And I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, That's definitely more of like, that's a story for yeah that's that's a story for another time but also like (laughs) again as someone as someone who writes lupon fan fiction and i and i had my opera singer be besties with fujiko this just cements to me what having a having fujiko for a bestie would look like and i'm thankful for that so right right thank you episode (laughs) yeah i appreciate any uh good writing of fujiko no matter what it is yes (laughs) So yeah, I've, 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 I'm pretty much just going to echo everything that's already been said. Like, this is easily, if not my favorite one off of part six, it's like high up there just because the excellent. Yeah, oh, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. It's high up there. Oh heck yeah! Uh, so I say it's high up there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just because like it's continued that trend of, and honestly, I think of all of them so far, this is the. And again, out of a series that has had great writing for Fujiko, I think this is probably the best out of all of them because, like, mm-hmm. this is her at her most complex. 
and and it, it, it mm-hmm. and, and and empathetic because like there's there's actual layers to this character that all of some I don't, some of you fans fail to appreciate, and we see you and we judge right. you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, judging hardcore. Also, also, whoever wrote, even though it's one of my favorite specials, also whoever wrote Alcatraz Connection. Oh, like she oh is god, the worst part of that special. A hundred percent. Like, like that, that, yeah. that, like the end, the ending of that with her and like her, her and that, like what, what, like the deep sea device thing, just getting thrown around and like whining about like not having the money or anything. Like, get, get out of yes. here, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh probably my God. again. Don't get me started on my vitriol hatred for Alcatraz Connection. We'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I swear to God, we need to have episodes where all of us get into like our least favorite specials and just like <laughs> off of that. Ooh, boy. That'd be fun. <laughs> that be so fun. <laughs> Again, I like, don't talk to me about Alcatraz connection because the, the, the girl from the Bay area has some feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, how dare you do this to San Francisco? Look how you massacred my boy. My boy. <laughs> Um, but no, the, I, I appreciated the the like you know the thoughtful dynamic writing of Fujiko, and also I kind of wanted to shout out the uh, the writer of this episode who I mentioned earlier, um, Ayumi Shimo. I, I was looking through her credits; she has largely only worked on very recent Super Sentai series, like it was really? um, uh, Machin Sentai. Uh, um. I'm not going to be an idiot and try to pronounce this. I'm just going to put it in in editing because I want to be like, you know, the dumb cracker that I already am. So she's worked right. on two Super Sentai series and that's about all I could find. And this. So, like, you know, massive props to Ayumi because she has an excellent grasp on Fujiko as a character. And again, like with, um, mm-hmm. oh, the writer of the... Um. Oh God, what was it? I forget which one off it is. But the, the writer of the uh, the Wong Tick episode, like I, I would like to see more from these people in the future. Like the one off writers, particularly. I, I, I would appreciate them coming back to the franchise at some point because they, they have a real nice like complex. Well, they have a real nice grasp on like the inner workings of the gang, which. I'm not going to say it's rare, It's a, but it feels like a very recent thing to get, you know, this in-depth with them. And I appreciate it. it it's been really good. Right. And, and also, I appreciate mm-hmm. this episode for going absolutely batshit in the second half, because that's why I like my Lupin to do. I like it to, you know, have oh, some serious yeah. stakes, but to also, you know, sometimes you got to have a cult in a castle that you have to completely just, you know, overthrow them, k- kill them all, whatever, wreck their shit. It's fun. It's yeah. good stuff. It's a nice backdrop. Like really borderline the, the nun thing. Like really yeah. confuse people there. Ex- exactly. Like, <laughs> man, there was a lot I'm going like on. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh, so we're playing into the nun fantasy here. So, hmm. Nun's quotation It is a very strong, perfect, like, thing that at somebody that isn't religious it always surprises 
<laughs> whenever I see it, I'm like, okay, that's where we're going. <laughs> And most of the time when it keeps going, it's not no, like, oh, I, nuns. Oh, wait, this isn't the sound of music. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> wait. <laughs> I, I really want to see more from these writers, too, because I feel like they have captured a lot of the essence of the series. And more Oshi, too. That'd be great. Oh, please mm-hmm. bring my boy back. Uh, can, can I just have a whole special instead of just an episode? Of he, he deserves a feature film. With Lupin, that's what this man Seriously. is. He is. He has been owed one we've, since we've been he lost in the eighties. Yeah, no, we we've been robbed. I need like fucking revolutionary girl Utena level up here. Oh, mm-hmm. of just like that shit. Please, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate this. Uh, um, uh, Natalie, we'll bring it all around back earlier to something you mentioned the uh, the pacing of part six because th- th- this has all been I was highly positive on this episode I really enjoyed it but I am also getting kind of fed up with the edging as well because like the deep painful groan I let out when I saw the next episode preview being another one off and it's like ugh yeah, I was not expecting that simply because we don't have that much left. Nope, we don't. I mean, I know you were expecting it, Drew, but it's like, again, the fact that this is a one-off and the next one's a one-off, it's like, I'm, I'm can we just get to the story already? Yes, I, I think as much as like, as much as like, I have my issues, my love-hate relationship with part five, at least part four five didn't fucking edge us like yeah you know it's like one two three episodes of a Mm storyline then one offs and one two three four episodes then one offs like yeah i just want to kill whoever came up with this formula because (laughs) i do not like it i did not like it in desperate housewives nor Mm -hmm. do i like it in lupon because it's really starting to divide people on the whole what's um what is your favorite Lupin? One-off Lupin or overarching storyline Lupin? Mm-hmm. And, and unless, again, unless you've been with Lupin from the very beginning or from the beginning of the fandom here in America, we're mostly used to one-offs. We're not used to this overarching storyline and you're fucking it up. Yep. The end of my vitriol. No, no, I, I completely understand because I, I saw someone, I forget who it was, but someone, I, I've also heard this mention where they're like, part six's pace is more like part four and no, I like I no. don't get that at all because part four has been the most well paced out of any of these three recent series because like I, I guess my biggest issue yeah. with part six with both halves so far is how like each half or like you know each main arcs has started off with like a clear goal and like like just hits the ground running with momentum like this is a story we're gonna tell and then it goes like hey, but let's go over here and then stop by here okay right. we're back on the right. story. Mm-hmm. Let's go this way. Whereas part four, like I, I love how that story gradually builds up where like all the pieces start to come together. All these characters show up. Sometimes they go away. Sometimes they come back. It's mostly like a string of one-offs that in the back half start to become like a coherent story. But like, that's because the plot naturally, you know, pieced itself together and built up and had like a nice rise. What's the word I'm looking for? It had a nice story that like built on itself where like the plot was kind of bubbling under the surface and then kind of rises in the back half. Whereas this one's like, we're going to do plot except when we're not. 
and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is never mind. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> over here, look at this. Like, uh. Well, I was like, part four, like even its one-offs are still connected. Mm-hmm. And like, yep. for m- the most part, there are a few that like are completely veered off, but for the most part, they're all connected. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It, it, it's all in the yeah. same setting with like the same characters weaving in and out because sometimes there'll be an episode that has no plot elements, but it has Rebecca or Nick's in it, which was again, which right, right. it was really nice to have those characters build up and I cared for them. And then when plot happened, I like was invested in the plot. Whereas this one's like, here's plot, here's characters get invested. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get invested. But like each moment when you're just starting to like really settle into it, it veers off into something completely unrelated. Right. You're like, Oh, well, I guess I'll be invested in three episodes time. I guess these are nice. And I can't be too mad because the one-offs in this half are really good. But. Yeah. Like, that's what makes up for it is that the, all the other epi- like episodes have been really strong. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't that way, I'd be a lot more upset about it. Yes. <laughs> that, that was how I was with the Lupin versus Holmes arc because, like, by the time I got into it, I'm like, I, this Holmes arc is dead to me. Bring on the one-offs. And like, I, I mentioned the last yeah, yeah. episode, this, this is such a petty thing. I'm going to mention it again, but like, as far as I'm concerned with the first half of part six, the, the Holmes arc does not exist. There is, there is like, I don't know, like seven episodes. There's seven episodes and the theme is, you know, literature. Like, it wasn't that a nice little experiment. Now on to the Tomoe store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holmes, huh? What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't talk. We don't talk. It's like we don't talk about Bruno, but no, we don't talk about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> He's like, what? Uh, we don't talk about Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. On the episode of Lauren, too. Like, huh? Mm. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? No. The, 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 the Zindigata disrespect. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. The dis. Huh. Wait, you guys, I think I'm just getting an alert. Oh my goodness, it's a message from some kind of cult leader. Uh. A mysterious hooded figure with an awesome mustache. Oh, wait, it's a ski elm. Uh, hey! <laughs> I was worried for a second there. You had me kind of, had me kind of scared. Like, Dude, oh, no. me too. Awesome. I like that. Where'd you get that cloak? <laughs> Hello again, Lupontic folks. Don't you feel a slight change in the air? Like a scent of spring? Well, that's because today's episode is focused on our muse, Fujiko. And it is only justice, after all. We had episodes focused on Lupin, Jigen and Goemon. It's time for Fujiko to have her own in this second half of part six. Written by Ayumi Shimo. This episode introduces the pixie-like Amelia, complete with pink hair, street clothes and a heart tattoo on her face. She is made to look like Fujiko's total opposite in looks and attitudes. Through her flashbacks and Fujiko's comments, we understand their past collaborations have been difficult. Their last job together involved robbing a billionaire called Grayson, whose headquarters are set in a tower with his shiny purple logo on it. Grayson's logo reminded me a lot of the now-defunct movie company Canon, founded by Israeli businessmen Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. 
While foraging in the company's files, Amelia finds a document that visibly upsets her, and the attentive observer will remember that detail for the rest of the episode. Grayson arrived on the scene with a couple of muscle goons. Vain and greedy, Grayson focuses on Fujiko and wants to brand her with a red-hot seal. I guess that's what happened when Nightwing inherited from Bruce Wayne's fortune. <laughs> Sorry, nerd humor. Fujiko, being her usual badass, defeats him, and he gets marked instead, disfiguring him for life. Back to the present. Amelia wants Fujiko to help her with infiltrating a cult set on an island. And you know how old acquaintances are, they know which buttons to push to make you comply. Fujiko notices that Amelia has changed some of her habits, like the way she eats or that she switched cigarettes for chupa chups. Again, the attentive watcher will have picked up something. Meanwhile, Lupin, who have been stood up by Fujiko, is trying to hack on the dark web bank account of a slimy billionaire responsible for human trafficking. Proof that Lupin can also, when the occasion presents itself, be more of a hacker than a cat burglar. It's less flamboyant, but very much of its time. At this point, most spectators have picked up that the masked leader of that cult, the human trafficking billionaire, and Grayson are one and the same. The episode is very obvious in its twists and leaves nothing to chance or interpretation. It is its main weakness, but not the main interest of this episode. What matters is seeing Fujiko with a lady friend, which is pretty rare. The franchise rarely focuses on Fujiko's own circle, since she is mostly a part of Lupin's. It is nice to see that Fujiko has a social life outside of the gang, albeit a complicated one. Obviously, the episode has fun putting some Thelma and Louise levels of lesbian suggestions between the two. This is nothing new for the franchise, we know since a woman called Fujiko Mine that Fujiko has no problem getting it on with other women, but here it's a more playful take. The climax wants to have us believe Amelia betrayed Fujiko, leading her to a trap for the vengeful and disfigured Grayson. His torture chamber reminded me a bit of Roger Corman movies as well as a good dose of James Bond. But of course, the betrayal was all a ruse, and Amelia and Fujiko were actually in cahoots to take down Grayson, while Lupin, whom Fujiko called earlier, has hacked Grayson's security system. We learn that Grayson is responsible for the disappearance of many of Amelia's friends back from the orphanage. That was her motivation all along. We also learn that Amelia's changes in habits is because of pregnancy. Funnily enough, we never see nor mention a potential father. It's quite progressive of the show, showing an apparently single mom having a kid with no father to be seen, proving that the desire to have a child does not necessarily need a traditional family structure. Maybe she had been artificially inseminated, who knows? And after all, Fujiko can fill in the daddy role, completing the sapphic metaphor. Conclusion, this was an alright episode. Predictable and by-the-numbers plot, but still enjoyable, well-paced, and emotionally satisfying. The sapphic undertones were not distracting, nor too gratuitous, and Fujiko shows many sides of her character. It reminded me a lot of the more light-hearted episodes of the classic Batman animated series, like Harley and Ivy, with a duo of women defeating an abusive man through collaboration and friendship. 
I did like how the villain, being an arrogant playboy, a human trafficker and a cult guru, managed to encapsulate a lot of real-life villains, and how they are often all connected by vast amounts of dirty money. Until next time, stay safe, Lupantic folks, and remember, a family is not just a mom and a dad. It can also be two terrible ladies and their strange bond. Next time, another standalone episode brings us to a mermaid island. The Loop on the Third franchise has its fair share of mermaid-themed episodes, weirdly enough. You can find me on Twitter at William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on DeviantArt and ArtStation as Shin Red Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee, also under Shin Red Deer. Okay, luckily it was just Guillaume. It's just, you know how he is. He's such a character and is always sending me these funny videos of him in cosplay. So, <laughs> <sighs> relief right there. Pure relief. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and on that note, Emma, where can we find you? So, uh, you could find me on Twitter. Uh, E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. Uh... Just changed my age on my profile to 30 as of yesterday. <laughs> and you can find all of my crazy opinions um, and good times on there. Uh, what did I post recently that was just off the shits? I don't even recall because this entire day I was just going crazy. So <laughs> follow me there. Uh, I post a lot of my cosplay on my Instagram, E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227. Um, and those would probably be my two main ones that you can really follow me on and contact me. Uh, what about you, Natalie? Um, for right now, you can find me on Twitter at Cap Lee Helsing. And that's only because I've rarely been on Instagram due to this, um, drainage that is working on my master's degree again what is life i forgot (laughs) um but for now if you're really interested in following me i would just say follow me on there um drew where can we find you and of course the podcast uh yes you can find me on twitter at drew hunter 15 that's d-r-e-w-h-u-n-t-e-r-1-5 and you can find our podcast on twitter at lupon pod that's l-u-p-i-n-p-o-d you can find us on instagram at the same at and you can listen to our show on uh soundcloud spotify and apple podcast and if you're listening on apple podcast if you wouldn't mind you know scroll down give us a five-star review if you're feeling up to it we greatly appreciate it but um Okay, so to get a little serious at the end of the show here, um, we don't usually touch on on real world issues as much. I mean, the, the last time we did was in regard, you know, to the pandemic, because that was a worldwide thing that affects everyone. And once again, we will be uh, touching on a subject that is worldwide and absolutely does affect everyone. Unless you've been living under a rock. Um Ukraine is in not a good situation right now. Mm. Um, And again, we don't very much go, we don't go politically on this show at all. This is just a show about a monkey faced thief, his friends and their many adventures. Mm -hmm. But 
we'd be we'd be remiss to to have a platform and not advocate for what's going on right now. So whether or not you are whether or not you want to do this is up to you. But we do we would like you to be aware of some charities if you do want to contribute or help in any way you can for the Ukraine situation and the crisis. We'll be putting the links on our Twitter, but you could always look for the Global Empowerment Mission. That's globalempowermentmission.org, the World Central Kitchen or wkc.org. Of course, you know, there's the Global Giving Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund, and we'll put that website on the Twitter, the International Rescue Committee, Save the Children, and the Razum for Ukraine. Again, we'll be putting all the links on our Twitter once the episode comes out. You don't have to donate. You can donate. But again, this is something that does affect um, not just Ukraine, but everyone here in the world. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if it's something little that we can do, we've done our duty. (laughs) Even just sharing helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like share, donate, spread the word. Again, like. To quote the boondocks, what can you do when you feel like you can't do anything? You do what you can. Mm-hmm. Right. Indeed. So well said. And yeah. <laughs> on that note, we hope we have a good week, Lupontic folks. We'll see you next time. Stay safe and take care. Good night. Have a good night. <laughs>